Hey, uh, welcome this morning. Man, it's great to see such a, a big crowd. You know, when we plan Christmas services, we have no idea like where we're going to get it right or maybe not get it so right. But man, this place is packed this morning. And uh, so it's so good to see you here. We had a good crowd on Thursday night and we'll do two services tomorrow afternoon as well. But thanks for coming out to uh, worship with us today. Merry Christmas uh, to all of you. And if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it uh, and turn to Luke chapter two. And maybe you grabbed one as you were walking in the room. Uh, if you grabbed one of those, you can turn to page 715, and uh, we'll have some words up on the screen so that you can follow along uh, with us today. And speaking of regifting, did you know that this past Thursday was National Regifting Day? It's true, according to Twitter, right, uh, that, it, that it was proclaimed National Regifting Day because it, it was believed to be the most popular uh, day for office Christmas parties. And, uh, and because they're office Christmas parties, there are just so many gifts that are re-gifted uh, through the office uh, Christmas party, and so therefore, National Regifting Day. Now, in case you're new with this, I, I think we all probably know what it means to re-gift something. Uh, and if you don't, let me catch you up. Like, let's just say someone gives you a gift, all right, and you open it up. And because you're a decent human being, uh, you respond with a smile and a thank you. And man, you're so thoughtful, but on the inside, you're thinking, this is horrible. Like, this is like, what, what would somebody do with something like this? Like, I have no use for this at all whatsoever. And then you, you panic a little bit because you realize there's no receipt and you have no idea where it's come from. And so you think you're stuck with it until you remember, wait, the office party. Like, I've got that coming up next week. I'll just re-gift this and pass it on uh, to someone else. That's the classic re-gift. And then there are, when you think about it, there, there are the intentional uh, re-gifting parties. We sometimes call them white elephant or uh, what do we call them? Yankee swap or something. Like I, I was thinking about one of the best white elephant gifts I ever received. It was a, a disassembled cuckoo clock. Sure enough, I, when you opened up the box, there was the house and then there was just the box full of all these parts. And so the gears and the chains and everything. And, and, and my friends laughed when they gave it to me because they thought they were just simply giving me some clutter from their house. Here's what I did. I put it up for sale on eBay, sold it to a cuckoo clock collector from the East Coast who sent me 80 bucks for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who got the last laugh there? Yankee swap, right? And uh, so that, that, that was a great day. But we laugh and, and joke about things that we like to re-gift, uh, that we receive. And as we've been talking about here these last few weeks, there are certain gifts that we're supposed to re-gift. Uh, there are certain things that we're supposed to give away. In fact, what we believe is that there are some gifts, these gifts that we've been talking about these last couple of weeks, that they get better uh, for you in your life and for others when you share them with someone else. And so we've talked about things like regifting hope and joy, and today I want to talk to you about regifting peace. And, and like the other two, here's the thing about regifting peace uh, you can't give peace away until you've encountered it in your own life, like until you've experienced it yourself. Uh, or it's not going to stand, you know, it's not going to mean what it can mean for others. And so that's what the Christmas story is all about in Luke chapter 2, encountering peace so that we can share peace with others. Again, if you've got your Bible, open to Luke chapter 2 with me, if you would. And let me just read for us what we commonly refer to as the Christmas story, starting in verse 1. Here's what Luke records. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire world. This was the first census that took place while Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
Now while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for this historical account that reminds us that we have a Savior, a Savior, your Son, who came to this world so that we could have peace. And Father, I pray, we pray, Lord, that your presence would be here with us in this time right now and that for every single one of us, Lord, you know every person here today. You know all of our story, our questions, our hurts, our regrets, those things that get us excited and bring us down. Father, will you use this time this morning to fix our eyes on you, to remind us of your son and the hope and the joy and the peace that we have in him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, I want to direct your attention right away to verse 12. Again, the angels, they appeared to these shepherds in the fields. We can only just try and imagine what that was potentially like. And this is what the angel said to the shepherds. He, he said, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now, it's likely that Mary and Joseph found temporary lodging in a room where animals were kept. Now, I've stayed in some disgusting hotels before, all right, but nothing quite like this for sure. And uh, this is all they could find. And not only was it a place to, to sleep for them, but it's where Jesus was born. And that's why they chose to lay him in a manger the most uh, uh, popular, the most famous feeding trough in all of history. Now, interestingly enough, Luke mentions the manger three times in 20 verses. All right, three times. Now, why? Well, according to theologian N.T. Wright, it was a sign to the shepherds. It was to be a visible location for them. It was their way of saying, hey, it's not just any baby. All right, but you need to go and find the baby who is actually in a manger, who has been laid in this feeding trough. And so there was one in particular, again, and he's Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. Now, he's the one the prophet Isaiah had spoke about hundreds of years before. These words in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you've probably heard them before in a service like this one. We read, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting. 
everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, we have to assume that the shepherds, like other Jews living in the land during this time, would have known these words from Isaiah in this reference to the Prince of Peace. And those words couldn't have come at a better time for all of them, all right? Because way off in Rome, Caesar Augustus was building an empire at the expense of people like these lowly shepherds. And Augustus ruled with strength and terror and so powerful that he became known by many as Lord, King of Kings, and Savior of the world. And so isn't it ironic that in this little town of Bethlehem, a baby was born who would be called things like Savior, King, Lord, and Prince of Peace. He is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. I just don't want you to miss what's happening here. See, the birth of this baby boy really is like a confrontation. It's a confrontation between things like sin and injustice and evil and greed and hurt and pain. And the mighty God, the presence of God who has come to this world once and for all. And Augustus never heard of Jesus. All right, Caesar Augustus never heard of Jesus, but within a century, his successors would try and destroy this rapidly increasing movement of disciples and churches. And within three centuries, get this, the Roman emperor himself will become a Christ follower. See, here's the thing for us. When you think about the manger, it's so much more than a crib. It's so much more than a feeding trough. As the angel said, this manger is a sign. It's a sign that marks where the Savior will be born, but more than that, it's a sign that marks a new day. This is a new day. This is a new moment. It's a reminder again that the Savior has come. The Prince of Peace is here. Now, when we think of the word peace, we tend to think of absence of conflict and uh, things like war. We, we tend to think, you know, especially if you're parents of, of kids, like no yelling and screaming in the house, right? I mean, those, those are examples of, uh, of peace. But uh, in its fullest sense, this word peace, uh, the Hebrew word shalom means, um, it means wholeness. Uh, it means healing. Uh, it means restoration. Basically, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, this baby, to initiate the process of getting things back to the way that they were always intended to be. We, uh, we got a new water heater uh, in the last month. We all love hot water, right? I mean, you appreciate hot water, especially at a time like this. And uh, our, our water heater wasn't working right, but I'll tell you what, I thought I could fix it. And in fact, after talking to a, a friend who's a plumber and then watching a YouTube video, all right, thank goodness for YouTube, I went to Home Depot. I bought two parts. I bought an element and I bought a thermostat. And I went back, I watched the video again, I sat down next to my water heater, turned off the power, right? Turned off the water, I replaced the thermostat, put the new element in, perfect. All ready to go, easier than I thought it would be, all right? Turned the electricity back on, flipped on the water, took a peek at it, all of a sudden I found a little drip coming out where that element screws in, all right, to the hole. Okay, no big deal, I just crank it down a little bit more, again, another drip. Well, I cranked it down as far as I could and then I just watched it, right? Because you gotta make sure it's not leaking, all right? Even a slow drip is gonna give you some problems, you know, if left unattended. And sure enough, I watched it, I watched it after five, 10 seconds or so, this small bead of water just starts appearing, you know, right where he screwed this element into the water heater drove me crazy, all right? Spent the rest of the evening trying to eliminate uh, this strip. Couldn't do it. We've got a brand new water heater today because of it. But here's the thing for us. You know, when we think about life, when we think about some of those crises that we run up against, some of those circumstances, that pain of life that's so difficult, sometimes life's problems come gushing out at us, right? In a moment's notice, you can't miss it. And in those moments of crisis, you're forced to try and figure things out. You're forced to try and answer these problems. But other times... Other times, the problems and questions of life, 
Well, isn't it just so true that it's almost just like a very small bead of water? It's just this slow drip. And we maybe don't first notice it, but over time, if left unattended, it can do incredible harm to any life. It can do incredible harm to any family. Here's the thing for us. Because of the sin of this world, things don't work right. There's things like pain and conflict, fear and anxiety that impact our lives and the people that we love, relationships fall apart. And at some point in life, we're all left hoping. We all have to think, you know, even regardless of what you think about Christianity or church or whatever it may be, I, th I think we all wonder at times there has to be a solution to all of this. I'm just here to tell you with all of the faith that I have that I believe the baby in the manger, the Prince of Peace, he's God's solution to the problems of sin and pain in this world. He's the answer for the hopelessness that we all face at different points in our life. And again, it's through Jesus that God initiated this plan to make things right, to bring peace to our world, and more importantly, to our lives. And I don't know where you stand in all of this, but it's true for me. You know, I, I, when I think about my life, I was 12 years old when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and put my faith and trust in Him. And so for the last 31 years, it's been all about trying to figure that out. And what does that that look like. And I'll tell you, there have been a lot of wonderful and amazing times in my life these past 31 years, but there's been some hard times too. There have been some really difficult seasons. And I'll just tell you that I'm grateful for the strength and the peace that I have found in the Lord and my relationship with Him during these difficult times. And here's what I believe is important for you and really for all of us at Genesis. This is what matters most to us. And this is true of you whether you're five. This is true of you whether you're 25 or 55. It's this, if you're taking notes with us today, the manger is a sign that Jesus is peace for us. All right, the manger is a sign that where Jesus is, that's peace. All right, that's peace. That's peace for us in our lives, that he's our hope, that he's our answer, that he's our helper. He indeed is our Prince of Peace. And with just a few minutes that I have here today, I want to just help you understand three ways that Jesus is peace for us. Again, if you're taking notes, the first thing is this, he brings peace to our souls. All right? That's what Jesus does for us as the Prince of Peace. And for Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and so many others back then, the arrival of Jesus meant the fulfillment of a promise that God had made to his people. See, God promised to send a Savior, a Prince of Peace. And in Jesus, he did just that. In Jesus, he made a way for people to be right with God. And that was good news for their soul. And the same is true for you and me today, that in Jesus, we can be made right with God. The manger reminds us that God has provided a way for you and I to have a relationship with Him. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5.1. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, how did Jesus achieve that peace for us? Well, according to Paul, He gave His life on the cross all right, and paid the price for the sins of this world. Now, how do we achieve that peace? It's through faith. Paul says we achieve peace through faith in God, meaning it's not automatic. Like you won't be saved because your parents are Christians. You're not going to be saved because your spouse is. Like this is a, a decision that you have to make for yourself. I have to choose to put my faith in Jesus Christ in order to find peace with God. Now I'm guessing that's probably what's true of, uh, of a good number of you uh, in the room today. You have this peace with God. You've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've got a relationship with him. But for some of you, you don't have that peace in your life. Uh, you've never made a move like that, made a decision like that before. You don't have that confidence. And, and I'm guessing it could be for any number of reasons for some of you. I mean, maybe for some of you, you didn't grow up around church. Your, your parents weren't uh, Christ followers. They didn't attend church, and so you just didn't grow up with it. Uh, maybe you attended a church in the past, but maybe somebody let you down. They let you down in a big way. Maybe God let you down. Or maybe you've just simply never felt like you've needed Him. 
Until now, that is. Because something's not right. And whether it's been this gush of water or just a slow drip, uh, maybe you're here today and just hoping, believing there has to be something more. And uh, you and I, man, just think about how often we have so many questions and we go searching for all of these different things to see if they can maybe provide some sort of relief, but nothing quite seems to satisfy. In fact, if you're honest, like maybe, maybe some of you here today, maybe it's like the equivalent of having that, that engine light pop on in your car. We all know that light, right? If you, if you drive, if you have a car, like it alerts you when the fuel's low, it alerts you when the oil needs changed, or worse yet, it just means that something expensive is falling apart, right? And you're going to have to deal with it, and, uh, but it's not going to fix itself because at some point you're going to have to make a move to get things right, to make things right. And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that trouble is for you today or uh, what robs your peace. I mean, maybe for some of you today, you're just drowning in debt right now. And it's just that financial weight that just continues to exhaust you. Or uh, maybe you can't get over the regret and guilt from some of the past choices that you've made in life. Uh, maybe you used to have a family, a beautiful family, but now you live all alone. Maybe Maybe you gave up on God thinking that life would be easier because of it, but in fact, it only became more difficult. Again, we go looking. We're just, we're made like this. We go looking for satisfaction, and we go looking for it in all these different things, and, and maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today, and maybe you've tried everything. And if you're honest with yourself, it's like the warning light or the slow drip. It just reminds you that I can't ignore this, but... I've got to make a choice to do something about it. Hey, I just want you to know, just like you could take your car to the mechanic, I just want to remind you today that you can bring your life to the manger and meet the Prince of Peace. Uh, There is no one greater, and Jesus is the only one. He is the only one that can bring lasting peace to our lives. And the Word of God says that if we put our faith in Him and we put our trust in Him, that that's the starting place for a lasting peace peace that is greater than anything in this world. And here's what happens when we put our faith in the Prince of Peace. Not only does He care for our souls, but the second thing is He has the potential to bring peace to our relationships too, to all of our relationships. And whether that's your a relationship with your parents or your children or relatives or, or friends or co-workers, like, again, I think we'd all say that relationships are a wonderful part of life, but they can be hard too, right? So they're, they're wonderful most of the time, maybe. And, and sometimes relationships don't work out the way that they're supposed to. Like, let's just take marriage as an example. Like, what has the potential to be this beautiful, amazing gift? Well, life's circumstances just have a way of kind of chipping away at marriage to the point that there are just so many marriages that struggle and far too many fall apart. Here's the good news for us. The good news is that once we make, once you make peace with God through Jesus, He has a way of bringing peace to our relationships too, including our marriages. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, all right? It doesn't mean that things will always work out the way that we hope for, all right? And that it won't take time or it's not going to take some sacrifice, but because Jesus wants things like our marriages to be strong, we know that we're at an advantage. You're at an advantage when Jesus Christ is the central focus of your life. And while we can't control others' thoughts and actions, the one that we can take responsibility for is our own. And that's what it means to receive peace so that we can experience it, but that also so that we can begin, you know, giving this peace, re-gifting this peace to others. Apostle Paul says again in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so I just want to encourage you today that if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. 
It is available to you, all right? You have a, and at the same time, you've got a responsibility then to make sure that you take and extend that peace to wherever you may see conflict or experience conflict in your life. Like you do your part to bring peace to it. So that, here's what that can look like. Like that means that if for some of you, uh, like uh, if you've hurt someone, like we have a role and a responsibility if we've experienced this peak to, to, to seek forgiveness. Like, and even if only you bear part of the responsibility for that, you take responsibility for what you can. Or, or, or maybe this Christmas, maybe what this means for some of you is that you need to cancel a debt or a grudge that you've been holding against someone else. Maybe you need to forgive someone else for something they did to you. And even if this other person, this person you're in relationship with, isn't willing to return the love, here's the thing. If you have experienced the grace of the Lord of Jesus Christ for your life, you do whatever you can by the strength of God to extend that grace and love to others. But it starts by experiencing peace with God first. You've got to experience peace with Jesus in your own life because He is what we need. Friends, I, I just want to remind us this morning that Jesus is what we need. Jesus is what our world so desperately needs right now. And it's, it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the things that are going on around us, the things that are going on in our world. I mean, man, it, it's so easy to see why so many people are slipping into things like fear and anxiety and depression today. And it doesn't have to be like that. All right, because only, not only does Jesus mean peace for our, Jesus mean peace for our relationships, but lastly, Jesus in the manger for us means that he has the potential to bring peace to our future, you know, to our future. You know, the things that we're thinking about, those things that we're afraid of, what does tomorrow hold? What does this next year hold? And as, as Christians, and what we can do is we can give all of our fears and questions to Jesus, questions about things like school and, and college and what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. We can take all of our questions and concerns about marriage to him and, and money and, you know, whether, whether that be for you, you know, am I going to make enough in this next year? Am I going to save enough to send kids to school? Is there going to be enough to retire? Or just even as you hear the news right now about potentially a oncoming recession, whatever that may be in the next year. Like, Jesus cares about these things. Like, He cares about our fears and our finances. He cares about our health. And so I just want to remind you today that Jesus can be peace for you no matter what your questions may be about the future. He, he cares about every detail of your life. And get this, His goal for you isn't just to simply get you in church more in 2019. That's not His goal for you. But instead, He wants to be the leader of your life. He wants to be your shepherd. He, he wants to be your primary influencer. He wants to have a relationship with you and me and bring peace for us so that we can experience this peace and then turn and be peace to others. We play this game uh, at Christmas with my in-laws. We, we celebrated Christmas with them uh, last week, but we play this game every year uh, where my mother-in-law hides a pickle and then we go find it. Now, it's not a real pickle because that would be weird, right? But uh, it's a Christmas ornament that looks like a pickle because that's not weird at all. And, uh, but she'll hide this pickle somewhere in her living room. We've been playing this game for the 20 years that I've been a part of, of the family, but she'll hide the pickle and we play for cash, right? So there's an incentive to find it. All right. Well, as the kids get older, they get to play too. And so I'm just telling you, it's quite the commotion when we go looking for this pickle. Everybody's playing. All right. There's shoving, right? I mean, you're setting screens for each other, you know, so your kids can get by because I figure if my kids find it, I win as well or something. And it can be anywhere. You can hide it in the Christmas tree. Uh, sometimes it's under the couch. Sometimes it's behind books or maybe under something like a lampshade. Now, I thought I had checked all of the lampshades, right? And because there's 
there's a bunch of them uh, in my in-laws' house, but there was one that I didn't check. And wouldn't you know it, that's where the pickle was hidden. Again, I've been playing this game for so many years now, I've never found the pickle, all right? I've never been able to win the prize. But what, what, what's crazy is, like, when it was finally discovered, like, I was right by it. Like, it was, it was right in front of me, and I missed it all along. You know, and in so many ways, we do this with life. We search and we search. We try this and that. We go looking for peace and purpose and significance and so many different things in this world. Think about how often we hesitate to go looking to Jesus for what we need. And he's right there. And he's right there. And I just want to propose for some of you today that, that the Lord has you here for a reason. And you may think it's just, well, I, just, I said yes, or this is what we do every year. This is what we do every week. But I just want to propose to you today that, like, what if it's Jesus for you? What if he's everything that you've been searching for and hoping for? And, and if so, what's preventing you from coming to him? Uh, he, he's the peace that we all long for, the peace that we need. And I just want to remind you this morning that if you don't have a relationship with him, he came for you. He was born for you laid in a manger for you, lived his life, grew up. All right, because here's the thing. He couldn't stay a baby, but he grew up and he lived life the way that life was meant to be lived, and he was perfect, and he did not sin, which made him a perfect sacrifice for your sin and my sin on the cross. And he gave his life on the cross, but he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, and he's alive today. And the hope that we have, the hope that I have, the hope that so many here have, that you can have, is that through him we can have life. And through him, we can have peace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we thank you that a time like Christmas reminds us of this hope, this, this peace that's available to us, that we can grasp onto, that we can, well, we can center every part of our life around. And I pray that that would be our great reminder today for every single one of us, even as we walk out of the room here in just a moment that we have hope and peace in Jesus Christ. And as we pray, I want to just talk to some of you for just a moment that maybe have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, maybe this is brand new to all of you, some of you. Uh, maybe for some of you, you've tried this before, you've, you've given up, maybe you feel like God has let you down. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, still yet to find answers to the questions that you've been asking. Or maybe you just walked out on God altogether because it just hurt too much. I just want to remind you this morning as we pray that he has never given up on you. And I don't say that to shame you or guilt you in any way. That's not what he intends. But just to remind you that his love for you is deep and wide and it will never end and he wants to know you better he wants to have a relationship with you he wants to forgive your sins and give you life and hope and a future and if you've never prayed and trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior know the word of God says that if we put our faith in him if we confess with our, our lips with our words that Jesus Christ is Lord that we will be saved and if you've never made a move like that before and yet maybe you find 
God working in your life today and you're ready to respond, I want to give you just an opportunity to do that. You can do that privately on your own. You don't have to worry about anybody around you knowing even what you're doing, but just in your own words, even in your own mind, you can just pray, Lord Jesus, I want you as my Savior. I need you as my hope, my Prince of Peace. Give me new life today. And it's true. It is true. It's that good. And it's that available to you today. And the one thing that I'd ask or just suggest is that if you've, if you've done something like that, if you've prayed a prayer like that with me this morning, that you'd, you'd find time to tell somebody. Maybe somebody that invited you here today, somebody that's a part of this church, or meet us up front. We'd love to talk or pray with you and just helping you thinking about next steps because this is something to be celebrated. Not ashamed of, but to celebrate. Amen. We'd love to help you and where you go from here. We're so glad you're here today. We'd love the chance to get to know you better. Father in heaven, we thank you. And we want to celebrate you with our lives and in all that we do. Help us to experience your peace today and every day, Lord, so that we can be peace to others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.